0: Hello and welcome to Pre-Published. I'm Sophia. My guest for this episode is Julia Green. Have you ever wondered if you should do a creative writing course? Until recently, Julia was the long-running director of the MA in writing for young people at Bath Spa University. Now she's an emeritus professor. She's also the author of more than 20 novels and short stories for children. As we'll hear, her writing and teaching careers developed side by side. I wanted to talk to her because over 60 students on her course have gone on to be published writers, some like Ellen Caldecott and Sally Nichols, with stellar careers. We talk about Julia's path to teaching and how it feeds her writing, the importance of staying grounded and keeping the day job, getting a PhD after a career and bringing up children, and the effect of lockdown on writing. We also discuss the process and the benefits of something like an MA in creative writing. They're not for everyone, but with the focus on workshops, on experimentation, and on reading as a writer, they have a lot to offer. These are ideas you can take for your own writing too, however you do it. Julia talks about the importance of keeping writing alive rather than getting too serious about black and white lines on a screen. I like that. We recorded this episode in April 2021. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So, Julia, welcome to pre
1: Thank you very much. It's a real privilege and a pleasure to be
0: here. I'm so delighted to be talking to you today. Uh, Can you just tell me a little bit where you're talking to me from? I'm talking to you from my
1: house in Bath. Um, it's a really beautiful place. I've got allotments outside the house and hills behind, beyond, around. Uh, it's quite a lovely day. I've been for a walk already this morning. The birds were singing. So yes, I'm in a happy place. I'm in the back bedroom. It used to be my my one of my son's bedrooms, but has now become a little office for me. <laughs>
0: haven't they all isn't that wonderful Uh, and I'm in the back bedroom of our house so yeah (laughs) exactly the same I'm thrilled to have you on today because particularly because with this season of pre-published which is the the third season of uh of discussions that I've done with people I am focusing more on the teaching of creative writing I mean I've always talked about it but more specifically people who who do do this for a living yeah um because it is quite controversial sometimes yeah. as to whether we can help so I'm I'm very curious to explore that yeah um and obviously that's something you've done a lot of as well as obviously writing a lot of books yourself yeah so um can we start with you as a, actually, can we start with you as as a student? How much um, creative writing or English literature did you study?
1: Well, quite a lot of English literature. So I, uh, I did English and American literature at Kent University for an undergraduate degree many, many years ago. Um, and then I did what was called an MPhil, a two-year taught MA at Oxford University, uh, which was really looking at English literature sort of 1798 to 1880, um, sort of MPhil. Um, and then I started doing a PhD um looking at the work of Thomas Hardy poetry mm. in particular and, and the the poems within the fiction uh, but I stopped doing that um and I didn't complete that PhD I came back to doing a PhD much later um in the last 10 years or so I decided to do a PhD in creative writing or PhD by publication so I've done um yeah, so I've done lots of literature. Um, less less creative writing, formal teaching. The only course in creative writing that I ever attended was a one-week, wonderful one-week course uh, in Tynoweth in, um, in North Wales. And mm-hmm. that was where I met um, David Armand. And I started writing the novel on that week. It was a week away from my family that made all the difference to me. It was giving myself time to really focus on writing without interruptions. And I started writing the novel that then became my first published novel, which was Blue Moon, which was finally published in 2003. So a long time ago. Um, but yeah, the most exciting, as you know, the, the, that first book, that first book deal, getting an agent. All of that happened in 2003. Um, but by then I was already teaching creative writing um, without having any kind of formal training in how to teach creative writing. I taught students by thinking about what I needed as a writer and providing that. But we'll, we'll come on to that in a moment, I think. Interesting. I trained as a secondary school English teacher and I absolutely loved that course, the PGCE in Oxford. I did that, my first, my very first job as a teacher was in further education um, and then I worked in a school late, sort of later on. But my my sort of working with young people made me feel that it made me very passionate about the kind of books that were available to them and yes. possibly was, well, it was certainly very helpful later on that I had that experience of working with young people, all different kinds of young people. So I've done lots of different kinds of teaching. Um, so after I'd worked as um, in um, further education, teaching English, all sorts of English, you know, A-level English, GCSE English, but also English for medical secretaries, English for hairdressers, literacy, Mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things so um, and I've you know I've also worked with um, people who are sort of volunteered um, with literacy, uh, teaching, people who hadn't learned to read as young people but as adults really wanted to learn and I've worked with young people who've been out of school for various reasons and had to be taught at home so I've done lots of of different kinds of teaching and I've always loved that relationship with students and feeling that I'm passing on a passion and making a difference and I think that's been really important throughout my life really throughout all my teaching I've done lots of community teaching so my very first creative writing classes arose out of the fact that uh, I was teaching a literature course to a group of women in Swindon for the WEA, the Workers' Education Association evening class. And after we'd done our, our women writers course, they said to me, Now we want to learn about writing. So teach <laughs> teach us about that. So yes. uh that's what I did. So I, you know, I that's how I, you know, I taught creative writing for for those students, and then, you know, went on to do that for many more. Quite a lot of teaching I did for um, extramural departments for universities, Bristol University. And again, I I had these wonderful groups of women who, many of whom had sort of just given themselves permission for the first time to start writing. Yes. Uh, Many of them lacking confidence in all parts of their lives, actually. Yes. And it was through those experiences that, you know, they were very... Um, supportive classes. Nobody, we didn't talk about publishing. It wasn't about that. It was about writing for self-exploration and discovery, uh, sharing our work. You know, I would give writing exercises. And I, I taught those students really in the way I felt I needed to grow and learn as a writer. So no, short bursts of writing, writing without being critical um, yes. of oneself and others, learning to listen very carefully when people read their work, to respond positively, to to nurture writers. And discovering really that through nurturing the writing, you also nurtured the person. And that's always felt to me one of the really, truly wonderful things. So by somehow having the focus on the writing and the reading and the listening to one another, rather than on our own lives, that somehow that there's some some magical process happened, really. It felt like it wasn't therapy because the, yeah. it wasn't about us, but, but somehow the writing brought everybody close together and people grew and some people decided they wanted to, to make more of their writing and got published. But that wasn't really the focus. The focus was us all on experiment and play. And those had been always important to me in the teaching of writing so I non-judgmental. Say it, it, it,
0: it rings a bell I haven't done nearly as much of that as you have but mm. I have worked with people with acquired brain injury and oh, I was talking to somebody about that actually this week which reminded me um, really I, I did a presentation to them and then I, I just did, did one um, writing workshop with them, and yes, as just as you say, it was about play. It was about being unself-critical. It was about um, writing to a prompt and and just getting words on a page. Yeah. And the quality of what yeah. they wrote was absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. But also, yes, that the self-exploration and the ability to share, and and somehow something about sharing fiction even if it had autobiographical elements to it it was very different from the normal sharing that that they did yeah um and yeah it was a very special thing yeah um but uh, did you find that all that teaching that you've done has fed into you as a writer as well because I do normally find that, that my my writing students who have been teachers are the people who pick it up the quickest somehow perhaps it is to do with um with constantly engaging with other people's growing minds, I don't know, but um, but it does seem to come easily to to teachers in a way that it doesn't to other people. That's very interesting. I, I
1: mean, how did it feed the writing? I don't know. I suppose it kept me always because that, that you know a lot of that early teaching I did was before I was a published writer, so yeah. I was engaged in a very similar process to the students. Um, it wasn't until, in fact, it I'd already. Started teaching creative writing for a certificate course at Bristol, um, just round about the time I was really deciding, I suppose, to move from writing short stories to writing longer fiction, and then I was working. I was asked to do some teaching on the undergraduate program at Bath University, which had a very interesting creative writing program at that point, and one of the things. It was that I was asked to do was to teach a module, just a module for undergraduate students in writing for young people. And at that point, I wasn't writing for young people really, not explicitly. Right. And, and so that's why I took myself off for this week's course, partly that the one in, in North Wales. You know, yeah, it's oh, like I see. The, yes. Yeah, the David Armand one. The, the David Armand one. I thought, well, what do I need to? I knew I needed to learn something more as a writer for myself. Um, so it was partly thinking about, you know, passing on skills to students, but it was more about also choosing that particular course was I'd read Skellig and I knew that the the quality of that writing, the sort of the depth and range of it was and also the conciseness, the honed language was something that I could learn. I, I needed myself to learn about. So that's why I went on that week, that week's course. And that's when I started writing for explicitly for a, a kind of teen audience and I had to sort of I did a mental shift in my mind from thinking about writing about a character who in my, my first novel I ever wrote which nobody has ever seen where mm-hmm. had a had a an ad, you know it was an adult novel and it had a, a main character who was in her 30s a little bit like me at the time um, and then I made this shift to thinking about writing about a character who was 15 and I did that On that course. And suddenly it was like releasing something in me. And so I, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and it was as if something fell away in the writing in my own writing, the kind of over slightly overly literary overwritten.
0: I know exactly what you mean. I started
1: with, you know, lovely descriptive passages, you know, all the stuff that I'd loved as a, you know, that I love in Victorian literature, which had been my passion for a long time or early 20th century literature. So some of that, I just had to let that go. And in letting that go, there was a kind of new clarity in the storytelling and I knew how to tell a story and I also thought about those you know that but by then I'd done that teaching in schools and in further education colleges so I had a sort of image of a class of year nine and year 10 students yes absolutely I knew those, I loved them, actually, that that year nine class, I taught English GCSE to, and I I learned so much from them, and they were funny, and they were witty, and they were, but I also knew that they would be intolerant of um, me, of self-indulgence in the writing, and so that really helped me, I think, to have a sense of audience, and that's one of the things, I think, that really, really helped me with that novel and subsequent novels really so I started so yes I've forgotten where we were going with this but I you know it was it was yeah it was um so how did teaching and students help me as a writer it was having a sense of an audience but it also I think all through those years I was teaching about experiment and play and reading and listening I was learning and growing as a writer and becoming more confident as a writer and seeing that this was something that I could do I can remember the first time I read a short story to a class of mine um and just seeing the reactions you know how powerful that can be I so think it's a great yes, thing
0: to do yeah they weren't year nines at the time were they because those year weren't nines were year nines <laughs> no no I
1: didn't read that short story to year nines. they were
0: grown-ups they were adults
1: so they, <laughs> they were big. you know they were kind and supportive and you know I knew they liked me they were so yes so so I think it has been helpful for me always and I think the great thing about teaching uh, is that your attention is not on yourself it has to be out there on your students and that's a very good place I think for me to be to not be thinking about myself all the time but to be thinking about them and in a way oh, I know. When, yeah. I'm, when I'm writing I'm doing something similar I'm trying to disappear myself and I'm in the story and I am the character and I'm seeing the world through their eyes and experiencing it through their body and that's a very liberating way to write. So of course I went on to do a lot of undergraduate teaching and then MA teaching um and all this time, you know, I, I in order to get a permanent job at the university to teach creative writing, I had to have published work. And, that, you know, the year I got my first book deal, 2003 with Blue Moon, was the year I also got my permanent contract as a, as a lecturer in um, creative writing. And it was a very so vibrant you place. Always, you always had a day job then, did you? I've um... always, always, always had a day job. And I really recommend it. And why I recommend it, although you're always, I've always had to balance motherhood, writing and teaching of different kinds, teaching and research and all sorts of complicated administrative things. But but it means it it take, for me, it took the burden of the writing having to earn me a living straight away. Mm. And... I think my agent, my wonderful first agent, Maggie Nowak, who sadly died, but she said, you know, one of, after we got, you know, the first deal with Puffin, she said to me, don't give up the day job. And she, you know, and I really believe that's been very, very good for me, actually. And it's allowed my writing to be what I want it to be. And I write the books that I want to write in the way that I want to write them.
0: it's interesting isn't it uh, yes just thinking about this is the the vision of a writer is is always a sort of rolled Dahl in his shed perhaps Mm. but somebody who who goes to his usually his study sometimes her study um children are sort of swept out of the way and uh which never happens in real life um and and off you go and you you work steadily for six hours until you have a light lunch and then you work steadily till it's supper time and and then then you do other things and that is a it's so rare that yeah writers can actually do that you know yeah. the, the ones we read about are the you know the, the tip of the, iceberg, the of the iceberg or the rest of the iceberg is the rest of us all just yeah. trying to make it all work somehow yeah but also I do agree that the the making it all work somehow and the the doing three things at once and none of them perfectly does help with the writing in an extraordinary way because you're constantly connecting with other people exactly you're not getting too lost in your own sort of yeah your own fundament kind of world of, yeah. of um yeah. preciousness yeah and I think it does it does ground the writing in, in ways that we don't appreciate at the time but uh, are yeah. good for us yes and that's what writing is isn't it it's communicating it's like making a
1: connection with somebody else first a reader and but you know it's well with ourselves but also with others and and we need to be engaged with the world and you know if you're writing for young people mm. you need to be part of it I mean wh- whoever you're writing for
0: I think you need to be part of it you were you were reminding me one of the things that I've been hearing mentioned a lot as lockdown has gone on actually is that even for those writers who are lucky enough to have a writing shed and and be able to just sort of go off and do their thing we've all found writing more difficult because the world has not gone on around us yes um and and whether or not we're participating that you're right we we do need to feel connected and in, in this particular age of disconnection i think most writers have found that that has disrupted their writing process yes yeah, it's completely um, have you found that i
1: have i've I, to begin with i couldn't even read yes the first yes. the first novel that i actually that somehow liberated me from that was hamnet by um, maggie farrell and and i'm reading it at the moment it's a wonderful novel and but it also because it was set somewhere in the past i somehow I could enter that world because I sort of suddenly felt I don't know what this world is I'm writing for what you know what's yes. going to happen what's going to what's it going to be like so to begin with in fact I mean I'm very lucky because of um living with the great david almond who's my husband now um we we wrote poems and every day we wrote a poem regardless of what we felt like and we read the poems to each other in the evening and That kept us writing, it kept me writing at a point when I was finding it, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it anymore. I didn't even really want to write my journal very much, and that's been very much part of my process. But that did change. So the poems kept us both, and me, particularly reading and listening and writing, even though I was just sort of writing about the day. They're wonderful now to look back on. It's like a, a record of a whole, you know, several lockdowns um yes. So that was one thing we did. That the other thing I did is I started thinking about a picture book story that I've been wanting or trying to write for a really long time. I've never written a picture, published a picture book, and so I I went back and I looked at that, and it was a bit like because of writing the poems. It was similar looking at the text of a picture book, and that's the book that I wrote. And I found, you know, I have a publisher for it. It's going to be coming out next year. It was very different because it was, you know, we're thinking about words and pictures for the first time, and a, the wonderful to and fro with an illustrator. Uh, that's been a really interesting and and involving process, and something that my head could get round. So that was one wonderful thing to come out of the lockdown eventually.
0: Yeah, I, I I've had a one lovely experience of working with an illustrator as well. Although it was on a book for teens, um, yeah. it was still highly illustrated, yeah. and it is delightful, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it I, is. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not quite the totally interior, shy, retiring types. I think we're always made out to be. a Collaborating can be such a very wonderful thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And then and then the other project that I've done is I I knew I needed to I I came to the point when I I knew I wanted to immerse myself in fiction again that. My own, you know, writing fiction. Um, and I didn't, but I. I somehow couldn't do it in the normal way and I mean one of the ironical, ironic things about all of this is that I left my for the very you know I, I left my teaching job which we haven't yet talked about at Basketball University the MA in writing for young people that I was course director for for 15 years I left that job and then we almost immediately you know the the pandemic started and I, I thought I was going to have all this time to write I had all this time but it was a different sort of time however I I started just playing with writing and had a few false starts and then I sort of thought about how much gardening had meant to me through the first lockdown and mm. I I somehow planted a story idea like a little seed in the dark and I, I just let it grow, I tended it every day. I didn't even know what kind of seed it was or what, what it was going to grow into but it has grown into something and it's grown into something different And quite different from things I've written before. I've just shown it to an editor for the first time. And I think there's going to, out of this is going to come a new novel from me that's going to be different from what I've written before. A novel for adults again? No, a novel for young people. A novel for young people. And have
0: you shown it to David? Do you, do you two share work with each other before it goes out of the house? Yeah, we do. So, um, I didn't show him for a long
1: time. And then once I'd got it to the shape that I felt this was sort of, you know, could be shown to somebody or shown to him anyway. So he read it. Yes. So, So that's, that was very encouraging. And he, he reads as he goes along to me. So he's been writing all through this period as well. Um, He's written a lot and he's published a lot. He's had two novels um, published in London. Actually, I've had one novel that published last August, um, The Children of Swallow Fell. So, so we've yes. both been writing we've, and we've both been reading to each other or showing each other what we do and that's very helpful. Yeah, very encouraging.
0: Yes, I, I, my husband, who, who's not a writer, <laughs> um, yeah. is always the first person to see my work. I'm just very, very lucky that, yeah. just by a miracle, really, that he, he yeah. has the sensitivity to, to just know if it's, yes. if it's on song or not. Yes. Um, which I hugely rely yeah. on. Yeah, um, yeah. it's yeah, extraordinary. Hand, handy yeah. thing to
1: have, isn't it? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, it's wonderful.
0: Really true. And it's wonderful. interesting because I, I was thinking about it because of um, Maggie O'Farrell, actually, and reading yeah. Hamnet and yeah. realising that, that she does the same thing with William Sutcliffe, who she's married to. She is. One of the books yeah. I read recently and absolutely adored as well. Ah, um, which was that? Yes. What, which book did you read? Ah, uh, Gifted and Talented. Oh, OK. I um, which I, I really, very, very funny yeah. book for young adults, which I yeah. absolutely loved. So, as you say, we haven't yet talked about uh, <laughs> well, the main reason that I wanted to talk to you, although this has been great, um, which is the fact that you you did end up at, at Bath Spa, um, among other things, um, running the Writing for Young People course. And there's so much I want to ask you about that about sort of how it came about and yeah. some of the students that you've had come yeah. through it and and what they get out of it yeah I mean right now um I'm I'm in correspondence with somebody who's saying you know I want to do a course and I'm not quite sure what I should do and and how much I should spend on it and what yeah. I should get out of it yeah and I I know that I don't really know how to answer those questions because a little bit like you the, the one thing I did was a um I did a screenwriting course just a sort of evening thing for a few weeks and yeah that was all I did. Yeah. Um, so I'm keen to hear all of that, how how the course came about, what it can bring to students and some of the students you've had. Yeah. Okay. So um,
1: it came about, we we already had at Bath Spa a very good MA in creative writing. And on that a part of the, there were sort of modules that students could choose. And there was one module called writing for young people. It was like a short, like one semester course that students could choose to do a sort of option alongside their other project which for them would have been a novel probably a novel for adults um, and it was incredibly popular I taught it and we realized um, that we had a whole team really of writers or teaching on the MA creative writing who were also writing for young people or just writing for young people i don't mean just in the sense that you know it's not as significant as everything else but that that's what they were doing so philip gross was part of that team and he and i had some very interesting discussions about setting up an ma specifically in writing for young people there weren't very many there was one at winchester that we knew about um, and yeah. i think that was about it and philip gross put together um a sort of team of us who sort of developed the course and we assumed that he would be the course leader and then he left the university got a professorship in Wales and I the very first you know as we were ready to start with the very first group of students I was the course director so almost you know by a, a very very happy accident I became course director as the, as the course began and we had eight students that first, year of the course it was full-time for one year very quickly we realized um that lots of students would like to study but would like to do it part-time alongside other things and so we developed a part-time option two years same course but taken over two years so a slightly yes. different pace and that has worked magnificently for many of our successful um students so I was very lucky to work with wonderful people, including the great Nicola Davis, who is the most fantastic um, writer of narrative nonfiction for young people, for children. She's she's just, you know, and, and a great teacher, demanding teacher, rigorous, wonderful, mm-hmm. inspiring. Um, we had Mimi Thebo at that point um, at Bath Spa. Um, there was myself. But, you know, we we had a very lovely team of and Steve Folk came to teach with us quite soon after we started, and then later Lucy Christopher and CJ Skews, and we've had Ellen Caldcott, some of our, our successful published students, MA students, then became also lecturers. Um, and the great thing about the MA Writing for Young People, because we set it up using the model of the MA in creative writing, but we didn't have any options. We decided there was things that everybody needed to learn. Together and so all students did the same thing they did a um, writing workshop uh, each semester where they were experimenting in the first semester and then developing one or two ideas to bring to uh, to write a whole manuscript so by the end of the course you'd write you'd write a forty thousand word manuscript which may be yes. a whole book for some students and for some wasn't you know it was just a, but it was a very substantial portion of um of a book for young people at the same time they also did a lot of reading so there was a context module we did which was called Forbes Ages and stages and it was a a way of making it was like a book group for writers so reading as a writer talking about books reading and I absolutely passionately believed then and I believe now that it's the reading we do that is so important to feeding and growing us as as writers, so yes. not just reading children's books, and that's I've sort of changed my mind about this quite a lot. I mean, on on the MA, that you know, the list of, of um, we, we wanted classic children's texts and also new books, but you know, it, the, the the list changed year by year. But I would now also include probably more adult books as well, uh, even though it was a specialist course. I just feel that we need to be reading everything if we're going to be writing. And I'm slightly nervous about children's writers only reading other children's writers. I think, you know, I think great writing is great writing. We need to extend our repertoire. Anyway, that's a bit of a hobby horse that's more recent for me. However, the MA was hugely successful. Um, Students... They they because of the, the the intimate nature of a workshop where you bring work in progress and everybody has read it in advance and then we give feedback but the the feedback structured so it's it's positive but it's also rigorous so learning yes. learning to read, or be a close reader, learning to listen, learning how to think about a piece of writing, um, and to think about how to help another writer. Of course, helping other writers. Has this wonderful, wonderful side effect of helping you as a writer. It's easy to see how to help somebody else, and it is necessary to to think about how to improve yourself. So, oh, every time, absolutely. <laughs> that has worked really, really well. But they were small groups. There were eight students, so they got to know each other really, really well, and to you know, to really, they weren't competitive. It was like very supportive, nurturing, mm. and I think that came because the, that was our my ethos, you know, as course director, let's nurture writers. I suppose I was looking to provide people a space. And that's what Jill Lewis, one of our very successful students said, you know, she, it was like, you know, a year of magical thinking, she had space to play and experiment and to try things out, and to make mistakes. And, you know, that's how we learn. And so that's what it for for most students, I think I would say every single student who came on that course, and has been on that course, grew as a writer, got better as a writer. Mm-hmm. And some people got published, you know, publication deals, a lot of people. So over the 15 years that I was course director, I think it's 66 published writers came out of our course. So it's not everybody got published. But even if they didn't get published in a kind of conventional way, you know, everybody Learned and grew and, and got supportive networks and have got on supporting one another after the course is finished I do
0: think yeah that that is one of the things that I, I say to people I'm saying to people at the moment if they're wondering what to do is yeah whatever sort of course you do it could be could even be an, an online one yeah, yeah um is you is the network yeah you get nothing else out of it you will get friends who you can trust who can trust you to yeah. share work and yeah. I mean you know as we're doing with with our um our husbands and things it, it, you need to find those people who you can trust yeah uh, particularly if you don't have an editor to to, to sort yeah. of do that close reading for you yeah and uh, yeah it's it, it's wonderful to be able to find them and a, and a yeah. course can really help you do that yeah I mean I I'm interested hearing you obviously mention um Lucy Christopher and yeah. CJ Skews because uh, I knew them both from Chicken House and oh. Lucy and I, I think Got published the same year yes. um, when Threads came out. Um, so did, oh my goodness, her Australian one. Stolen. Um, stolen my lockdown brain yes. uh, yeah. and that was so exciting for her because it yeah. got the, the Prince Medal yeah. in America yeah. and yeah. it was just yeah. crazy things happened there yeah. that was wonderful yeah. to see yeah. um, and then um, and CJ Scooz was, was working at Chicken yes, House she, and was. she was sort of like the office junior <laughs> at the time yeah. and then I said oh, I'm working on this novel and then this other one and then this other one and then she's gone on to, to great things too yes, more, she has. very much more adult stuff yes. Um, yes she's moved away from her her, uh, her young adult yeah Yes. And, and and that's all sort of um, wonderful things that happened with that. Uh, but I mean, with, with both of them. So I would have got to know them in 2009. And that's quite a long time ago, really. And it's just knowing, you know, all the years of work that have gone before that. Yes. And and the years of work since. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it can be a long old process to, to get to where you want to be. Um and, and it, I find it, it, yes, it helps to have these networks and, yeah. and it can, the right course with the right people can give you a, a real leg up to understand what it is you need to do with your writing. Yeah. Yeah yeah and, and also uh, that space that you talked about actually I mean, yeah. the, you had with your week <laughs> and uh yes. and they've had with a with a, a year or two years yeah. and, and even with the evening courses that I've done you know, yeah, people have said that that two hours yeah. on a Thursday evening yeah when they're working a full-time job and they've got kids yeah that two hours is so precious to them exactly. because it is they it's just them in their head yeah. and their imagination yeah. and they, they don't get that very often
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's really really important I think I, the other thing that I think was really important about the, this our particular MA was that, I mean, it's unusual for, for an MA to have um, a final project of so many words, 40,000 words. Right. Um, that's more like normal sort of PhD length or even longer. But, um, but it really, that's what our students wanted. They wanted this time and space and support to write a book. Mm. Um, and then the other wonderful thing we did was you know obviously they're getting feedback all the time from each other but also feedback from their tutors but everybody teaching on this MA is a writer not an editor a writer and I think in the early stages of developing your writing voice your writing you know learning about writing and learning about yourself having being amongst writers is really really helpful and um we did you know we did bring in publishers to talk to students and agents and so on um and we did in in fact evolve a kind of module which was about learning about the industry but we did that towards the the end of the course and I think that's really important so I felt I felt I needed to protect the students from that world for as long as possible while they were (laughs) learning experimenting and sometimes they're much too desperate To get out their their work out there to agents or publishers, it's too soon. You know, they're Mm -hmm. too they're working. They're they're so desperate, and I understand that totally. But it's a longer process, and you need a longer view, and you need to have time to experiment and try things out, and learn, and make mistakes, and develop, and not send work too soon. So that's what I feel really, really strongly about, like protecting. Like that, uh, you can't rush that early stage of writing. And if you do, and sometimes people get do get a publishing deal very early on, and I think it's too soon, and they can't sustain it because they haven't got the the maturity or the backlog of of you know diff- of working the ethos of it, the understanding of it to to keep going. It's a very hard career to choose. There's a lot of I'm, knocks. I'm glad
0: you said that. Yes, that it's. I always, it's a little bit like sort of getting married or getting <laughs> pregnant. Is you know you you you're you're thinking of the wedding and you're thinking of having the baby and it is almost impossible to imagine the day after that, yes. the day after the massive ceremony, the day after the, the childbirth. <laughs> but there's quite a lot that goes on after that, really, years and years of it. And yes. you know that we all imagine the day that we get our book accepted or yes. published, yes. and oh my, and that is it. That is the pinnacle, yeah. and that's hard, and and. The the fact that then the publisher sort of turns around to you and goes great okay what are you doing next year yeah exactly. Um, and can, can you please fit that in at yeah. literally four times the speed that you were working before yeah exactly um yeah and I don't like that idea and I want you to change that idea yeah. and yeah it's it takes intense resilience yes to, it does to deal with that yeah and I mean at the moment I'm writing my what will be my ooh, I think 13th published book Wow. And, you know, and I wrote three or four before I got published. And, yes. and, and this is sort of 20 years of really getting yeah. at this yeah. very carefully. And yeah. I am needing every minute yes. of those 20 years yes. to, to cope with the, the, the questions I have about my, my own work and how to do things yes. in time and how to not rush things. And yes. it's, it's not obvious. And I, I completely agree with you. When, when somebody comes with a lovely thing that they've made and says, right, I, you know, I, I, I wrote the end last week can you help me find an agent yeah. i I'm, I'm thinking no <laughs> let let's spend another year or two yeah. uh, bringing up more ideas having another look at this working yes. through it and and of course i couldn't bear that when i was an aspiring writer the idea of having to spend mo- even more time yes and i fully understand that other people are again just have that urge to just get get published and be done with it yeah but I agree with you it's it's a it's a long term even if you're doing a day job like you, yeah it's still a long term hard yeah. thing that requires a lot of preparation yeah. And it's
1: useful. I mean, the students because we get we on the MA we got the students to you know to have lots of ideas, not just one idea. You know, one mm, idea yeah. is taken to you know to completion. But it's really really helpful when they're asked by that publisher, you know, what's book book two? You know, to say, oh well, I've got this thing that I've been working on, and I'm mm-hmm. also doing the you know it, that those things
0: stand them in very good stead. Yeah, I always thought that was the best piece of advice I was given. Somebody said, you know, if you are very, very lucky, as lucky as you can be, then um, what you will get is pressure. And if you've got ten thousand words written of the next thing, yeah. then um, th- that will really help you. And I did have, and it did help yes. tremendously. Yeah, because uh, it also helps you focus. Yeah, uh, you know that they are yeah. all the delights of suddenly being published. Yes, and um, and it's it's great to know that actually what it all comes down to is bum on seat the next day. Yeah. And, and doing it again. Yeah, um, yeah and that that kind of grounding too I think yeah
1: yeah good you wanted to ask about some of the students I mean I it would be, it's I a did, bit yes. it's a bit difficult for me to pick out particular students because of course we've had so many I think I told you 66 I think yes. 65 or 66 or now, you know and they they don't just write one book you know they, they've gone on to have wonderful careers so Jill Lewis, um, Fleur Hitchcock, mm. um, Emma Carroll, Uh, recently Finbar Hawkins, wonderful book, Chris Vick, shortlisted for Carnegie, I think. Um, Ella Caldercott was one of our students. Um, Lucy Christopher, whose first adult novel is going to be coming out. Um, And she's now taken over as course director. She's a wonderful writer. So, you know, many, many, many wonderful writers of different kinds of, of writers have come out of the course.
0: And the way that you worked it with the people who were doing it part-time, they yeah. presumably didn't have to be local to Bath then?
1: No, people, I mean, they? they didn't have to be, no. Um, I mean, obviously, they could be, but um, they were only coming for, you know, maybe one or two days a week, so they could live anywhere. Um, and they travelled, you know, people travelled mm-hmm. long, long distances, um, you know, in order to attend the MA Um I mean things are all a bit different at the moment because of course all the teaching has had to go online um this last year but I've not been teach I've stopped teaching now so I'm a I'm an emeritus professor in writing for young people at Bosporus University but I'm not actually teaching anymore um, I saw
0: that it lo- it looks very very glamorous it does,
1: doesn't it <laughs> yes I no i was very, yeah. very 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 pleased to be a professor and then a, and then when I left to become an emeritus professor um i think there're not many emeritus professors of writing for young people that's my yeah my claim to fame
0: i, I actually mind me i briefly wanted to talk to you about your phd because you did in the end as you say get a phd in creative yeah, writing I didn't did. you yeah. and then and you said that it was through published work and that is yeah. something that i want to explore a little bit later on in in this series but i'm just interested to talk yeah. to you about that so was it that you wrote a novel and that sort of became the phd
1: no, I because I as um at Boswell University as a member of staff, um because mm. I was a yeah, I was working there, I was able to do what they call a PhD by publication, which is like a body of work. So yes. I wrote a thesis about in fact about my writing for young adults. Um so a contextualizing thesis thesis. And for me, it was, you know, I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm actually supervising people, you know, I was Lucy Christopher's supervisor for her PhD. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would like, you know, I started a PhD in, on Thomas Hardy all those many, many years ago, I'd like to get a PhD now, my children have just gone off to university, I had a sort of sense, I wanted to have a new challenge. So alongside my writing, I thought, well, I'll do, a, you know, a more academic study. So that's what I did. And I looked at a body of work, and it was really helpful, as a way of sort of standing back and saying, oh, this is what I've written. You know, what are the sort of, you know, what have I done? What's my contribution to the field? And thinking about that. And oh, where lovely. and where do I want to go next? Um so I had a sort of sense that there was a I was at a sort of point where I was going to be shifting my focus. Um and my my focus has been to a sort of younger age group. I think it's shifting all the time actually. So now I'm more interested in I'm very interested in doing illustrated work. Um so, and possibly, adult, you know, write for adults as well. I've been writing, recently been writing short stories, none of them published yet, but I'm kind of gathering them together, which are about childhood, but they're for adults rather than for children.
0: Oh, so, I look forward to that. <laughs> I, uh, it brings me to my my last question for you, which, yes. which is writing process yes, and yes. what it is now and how that's yes. changed over the years. yes. Well,
1: always and still, um, apart from this most recent novel, in fact, um, it's been my notebook, my, my writing longhand, writing notes, writing scribbles in a notebook, a big art sort of notebook with lovely blank pages. I don't like lined pages. And and sort of getting the sort of stuff that's in my head out onto the page somehow. Um, and out of that, the sort of story ideas begin to emerge. So the the first stages of writing me, for me are, involve usually a, a, a sort of sense of a character and a place, definitely a place I write a lot about. Mm-hmm. That's very important to me, the natural world and the landscape and the setting for the story. Um, and that's, con- and its connection with characters. So exploring those things visually almost on the page. So, um, sketches, drawing, maps, writing little bits, imagining, and then as I'm sort of the, the story begin and the story themes begin to emerge, I then start working on the, the laptop. But I do, I do, I don't plan um, it out rigorously. I grow a story, explore an idea, explore a character in a situation, and go back to the notebook at place times when I'm stuck, if I'm stuck um so a sort of scrapbook of of ideas sort of not all of it will go into the novel but that's a place to experiment so it's keeping that kind of playful side of writing alive for me rather than getting too serious about the black and white lines on a screen yes Um, yes so yes and so yeah so that process has stayed that has sort of stayed the same the the most recent novel as I said I I sort of grew it almost i didn't want i don't know why i didn't do so much writing and drawing in the notebook but i didn't i i it's just i just wrote words on the screen it's almost like i was tricking myself into thinking i'm writing a novel and somehow i did write a novel that way <laughs> So exploring. That's exploring how the
0: creative process works, yes, isn't it? it is. <laughs> and of course, of if, you,
1: if you work like that, you have to edit massively. So, you know, the rewrite, I used to say this to students and they thought I was crazy. They didn't understand at first what I meant. All writing is rewriting. It's the rewriting and the editing, editing, editing. And that's one of the things that, that people need to learn. That, you know, you write this first draft, you think it's marvellous. And you'll think, oh, my God, I've written all these words and they're wonderful. I've got my story out. But of course, that's just the very first stage. And there's a long way to go from there. And it's having the persistence, isn't it? And the resilience to go back again. I'm just at that yes. point now with the new book, what I think will be the new book. Um, you know, I've had my first editorial letter and now I'm going back, thinking, rethinking about what's yeah how to
0: I always surprise myself with this even though I utterly agree with you and this is absolutely what I tell students as well and believe it with all my heart but in my own writing I keep hoping that my first draft is the perfect one oh, as yeah. I'm going along and I keep yeah. trying to make it that exactly and of course it never is yeah it never is it is all in the rewriting
1: yeah yeah but you think you know I do I edit and edit and edit as I'm going along so it's not it's never yeah. a first draft but but it's still there's a long way to go yeah but you do hope that you've written the perfect book don't you you know you never will but something. It. <laughs> it's good to, it's good to aim for that make it the best and the most beautiful it can be
0: yeah yes at least that gets you enough yeah. of the way there to be able to yeah. what to do with it next yeah yeah um so you you've got your picture book underway and your short stories and your novel and um lots of things to keep you busy by the sound of things
1: very busy but in a nice way I'm sort of I mean one of the benefits of the horrible lockdown the last horrible lockdown has been walking every day yoga every day you know having to to slow down a bit and I think that's been good for me and good for my good for me yeah and I think that's why there's it's allowed a sort of slightly different note coming into the the next book so
0: interesting
1: Yes. And and
0: what would your one tip, if you could have have just one for aspiring writers, be?
1: Read. Read and live. Experience the world. Then get it done in a notebook and play with ideas and yeah. Live a, live perfect. a good life.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Connect to others. Yeah brilliant thank you so much julia it's been a really lovely way of passing this um this special hour
1: well i've really enjoyed talking to you thank you so much for asking me and uh, i suppose i should also say that you know an ma isn't for everybody and i never did an ma in writing i did a different kind of ma um but you know there's lots of different ways into writing and some things speeded up I think the MA speeded up the process for some people but for others you know taking your time is actually the right thing but make space for it in your life yeah
0: I'd like to thank Christopher Pett for editing and producing this episode of Pre-Published you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us a review you can also join us on Twitter at Pre-Pub Podcast, and find me at my children's books website, which is sophiabennett.com or my adult crime series website, which is sjbennettbooks.com.